If you can, will you stand for the scripture reading from the Gospel of Mark, verses 39 through the first verse, chapter 15, 39 through the first verse of chapter 16. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him, and there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Some of you all know that four months ago, I was in a really nasty bike accident on Spring Garden on the bridge going over the Schuylkill. Ended up in the ER and... Um, there were some things that happened in that accident that I've noticed before, and some of you have probably noticed if you've been in a, just in a, a crisis or in, let's just say, an intense moment of some kind, and it's that things tend to slow down. Things don't actually slow down. Time doesn't slow down, but things feel like they slow down because you keep going back in your head and rehearsing the details of just what happened, and what does it mean now? Okay, I've just got hit by a car. Am I going to die? Somebody I love, something just happened to them. What does that mean for our relationship? I just got fired. What does that mean for the next five years of my life? You kind of go back. Time slows down in that intense moment because you have to make meaning. And human beings are meaning-making creatures. In the gospel accounts, all four of them that we have in the New Testament, everything slows down during Holy Week. Everything. Think about this. The week of Palm Sunday through Easter in the New Testament Gospel accounts comprises a full one-third of the whole Gospel of Matthew. One-third of the Gospel of Mark, where we've been for a long time. One-quarter of Luke and nearly half of the entire Gospel of John. And in these very last verses of Mark 15 and beginning of Mark 16, we finish the Gospel of Mark on Easter with the resurrection account. In these last verses of Mark 15, we have some very different people just beginning to make meaning out of what just happened. Jesus died. What does it mean? And very briefly, I'm just going to say things about three people, or two people and then a group of people, that are making meaning of the crucifixion of Jesus. They're all confused. They don't understand its full meaning yet. 
but they're just beginning to make meaning. First, the centurion. You see the centurion? Larry preached on this last week. It's in verse 39. By the way, a centurion was somebody in charge of a century, a hundred Roman soldiers. In the first century, it kind of changed to about 80, but at any rate, dozens of Roman soldiers. This guy was in charge of the soldiers who just crucified Jesus. And that's why he was right before Jesus, it says in verse 39, looking at his face, looking at his expressions at the moment that he gave up his spirit. And in verse 44 or 45, as we read, he's the one that Pilate calls and says, you're in charge, you tell me what happened. Is he dead yet? This guy's in charge of the death of Jesus. And he immediately makes meaning after he sees Jesus die. What's the meaning he makes? Something about the way that the veil was torn, something about darkness covering the land, something about Jesus bearing up under accusation, something about his final breath led him to make the meaning, he says, truly this was the Son of God. And that involves other meaning. I killed him. Truly this was the Son of God and I killed him. So we can imagine that the meaning of the cross on Friday, on Friday now, the meaning of the cross for this centurion was dread. I'm, I'm about to be judged terribly. The cross for him was judgment, and he's burdened with dread. I've done a terrible thing. It doesn't matter that it was my job. I've got to deal with God now. Okay, dread. Let me ask you about dread. Have any of you felt it recently? I'm going to ask a question for you kids. You kids listening? Have you ever misbehaved in school, and the teacher says, I'm going to call your parents? <laughs> Not true. I know for a fact... For three of you, that's not true. <laughs> that feeling in your stomach between when you did something wrong and when you're going to kind of face what you did wrong. And let me give you one that's less funny. I spoke with a prisoner one time. I was meeting with a prisoner at a minimum security prison. And just talking about his experience and about that feeling between getting caught and facing the judgment. And he said something that's really stayed with me. He said, you know, the only difference between you and me is we've both done stuff that could land us in here. I just got caught for it. And if you don't think that's true, let me just give you one example. This is absolutely true. How many of you have ever texted while driving? Let me tell you, there's not, yeah, thanks, Peg, for being the one honest person in the room. <laughs> let me tell you something. Just change a couple circumstances. You, you jump a curb and hit a pedestrian, you're going to feel that feeling. And you're going to get incarcerated. There's not that much between people on the inside and the outside. That dread is something you will experience if you haven't, and it's with the centurion on Friday. It's the meaning of the cross for the centurion. Secondly, second of three now, Joseph of Arimathea, first time this guy shows up in the gospel. Who was Joseph? Joseph was a respected, not soldier, a religious leader. Get this. We read in Mark 15, Joseph was there on Thursday night when the religious elites decide to condemn him before Pilate. And yet, he believed in Jesus. He believed, we don't know if he believed he was the full son of God, but somehow at least he'd come to believe that this was the son of David, a kind of prophet king. But God was with this guy, and he accused, he didn't speak up at least when he was getting accused and condemned. And right when Jesus dies, he, 
he does begin to act sacrificially. Mark says he courageously went to Pilate. This could have cost them identifying with Jesus right after the crucifixion, asks for the body, takes down the body, buries the body. This was risky. This was courageous. But where was he Thursday and Friday? I mean, where were you? You could have stopped this, man. You had power. You were respected. You were rich. What's the meaning of the cross for Joseph on Friday and Saturday? It's got to be guilt, right? Shame? If not the dread of coming judgment, guilt and shame. And you all know about this. You know this burden? Like the one word you could have spoken, the one thing that you could have done to help somebody, to change a situation, to be there for them when they had no one else and you didn't. And there's nothing you can do to go back and change it. you got to live with that now. You know about this guilt and shame. And that's what the cross meant for Joseph on Friday and Saturday. For the centurion, dread. For Joseph, guilt and shame. And then there's this third group I want to talk to you about. The Galilean women. The Galilean women. For them, the meaning of the cross isn't so much dread or guilt. Something they've done or not done. It's simply loss. These are the women who followed him from his hometown from Galilee. It says they followed him all the way to Jerusalem. They hung out in the background, watched him die, and now they're just despondent. The one they loved. His body desecrated. He's gone now. And on Friday, to anybody's imagination, there's no getting him back, right? Now let me ask you if you feel this at all. Do you know this burden? Is there someone, something in your life that has taken a one-way ticket out of your life is not coming back? I was speaking to a counselor this week with and for somebody I really care about um, who feels this way right now. And I think... Let's call it a gift, but you know, the flip side of all your gifts is probably your weaknesses as well. So I'm always trying to find meaning. You know, this is a passage about people making meaning after terrible tragedy. The world just died when Jesus died for them. Trying to make meaning out of a terrible tragedy. That's something I try to do. It's a pastoral thing to do, right? And the counselor just said to me, don't try to spin this. Just be there with them in it. Spinning meaning for someone in true despair usually doesn't work. You can be there with them and be hopeful, but you kind of got to wait like a midwife waits for a child to be born, doesn't drag the baby out, waits, kind of knows the path for how this thing works, but waits until something they can't do happens in the same way. That's how you're with people who are despondent. These people just lost everything in the loss of Jesus. Do you know this burden? Dread, shame, Loss, different people making meaning of the cross. So what? Here's what. And as Jim said at the beginning of the service, here's why we don't just jump from Palm Sunday to Easter. No, no, no condemnation, no judgment to another tradition that, that maybe kind of spends this week with a little more cheer. But here's why it's important to take it all in. First, what I want you to do is this. Just imagine these people. On the one hand, you have a Roman centurion who isn't just like a Gentile, brutal man. He represents the oppression of the Jews by Rome. And he just murdered the Messiah. 
That's the first guy. Second guy is a religious elite who's super rich and just was part of a body of religious people who condemned Jesus to die. And the third people are a bunch of just peasant women from the sticks. One, Mary Magdalene, who was recently demon-possessed, and the other three are grandmothers, and they're all now making meaning. Folks, I give you the first post-crucifixion community of disciples. A brutal soldier, a rich, guilty, religious man, and a bunch of peasant women's, women trying to make sense, trying to exercise a little bit of faithfulness on the way to Sunday. Second thing I want you to get is this. The cross actually brings hope to each of their burdens in a way that they're not going to realize till Sunday. For the centurion, listen to this. The cross does mean judgment, right? But in a way he doesn't yet understand. The cross means God's judgment is diverted from those who deserve it, right? Jesus' blood is on his hands, and that declares him guilty. But that very blood of Jesus is the covering for his sin. That's the meaning the cross will have on Sunday after the resurrection. For Joseph, the cross means guilt. I could have said something. I did nothing. True. But it also does something to his guilt. Christ on his cross bears guilt away from faithless people like Joseph. The righteous for the unrighteous, as St. Peter puts it. That's what the cross is about. The righteous trading his life for the unrighteous. Go ahead and imitate his sacrificial offering, Joseph. Buy him a tomb, wrap him in linen, take him down, identify. Just don't think that that brings atonement. Jesus already brought it for you. That's the meaning of the cross for Joseph's guilt on Sunday. And finally, for the women, for the Galilean women. The cross is a loss. It is. But their devastation is about to be informed by the surprise of Easter. Easter, when full, eternal resurrection life will spring forth from Jesus' tomb and infiltrate a decaying world. On Sunday, hope will meet their sorrow. Here's the thing, folks. We do not need to act like we don't know about Sunday's resurrection through this week when we remember the suffering of Jesus' life. We don't have to act like we don't know the surprise ending. After all, in verse 1 of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 1, Mark calls it the good news of Jesus Christ, not the tragedy of Jesus Christ. But, and this is, this is really important, we need to hold what Saturday feels like. Do you know why? Because apart from Christ, the world hangs out in Saturday. Did you know that? This neighborhood hangs out in Saturday, on Friday after his death in Saturday. It's a, word, it's a world experiencing dread and guilt and shame and loss. We are a Sunday people bringing hope to a Saturday world. So you got to remember what Saturday feels like to people. Kids, here's a question for you today. You're with us today. Who do you see who's scared? Who in our city do you see 
who is ashamed or guilty feeling, who do you see in our city who's sad? Can you point them out to your grown-ups who might not notice or ignore them? And is there any way you can bless them? You can imagine what it feels like to be them in that situation plus without hope. And maybe speak a word. Maybe tell them about Jesus. But at least just be, them, be with them representing the hope of Jesus. For the rest of us, is there any way this week we can interface with people who are burdened with fear, guilt, and despondency? Can we visit them? If it's true, too preachy this week to tell them about the good news of a crucified and resurrected Messiah, listen for opportunities. I promise you they'll be there. But in the moments even when they're not, can you sit with them at least with the reality of resurrection hope within you? Remembering Saturday helps you love people in despair, even as you're a Sunday person. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.